the shadows with Jordan. Welcome back to another episode. Since it's September, I really would like to talk about something that's very near and dear to my heart, and I would love to spread awareness to it. IIH stands for Idiopathic Intracranial Hypertension. It's also known as Pseudotumor Cerebri. Idiopathic means doctors have no clue or real cause. Intracranial means in the skull and hypertension means high pressure, where pseudotumor cerebri means fake or false brain tumor. The reason this is very near and dear to me is because I actually have this disease. My doctors go back and forth on the root cause, but do not have a definitive answer on why my body's check engine light stays on and why my body produces extra cerebral spinal fluid which then creates no room in my brain and around my eyes, causing it to basically crush itself. The symptoms I have mimic a brain tumor, since the extra fluid is pushing itself onto my brain and in between the nooks and crannies. Most people with my condition are either on intense medication, in remission, or end up having brain surgery and putting a shunt in their brain. There is no cure, so all of these are temporary ways of managing the pain. We are promised by doctors that these things like medication, hormonal therapy, and shunts will relieve the pain. And for some it does, but for most, these only cause more damage, either by the side effects or by the disease itself. Because this illness is seen in women in childbearing age who is overweight, a lot of women hear from the doctors, eh, just lose some weight, you'll be fine. But if you look in my support group, you will see that this disease does not discriminate. It's a disease that's in men, women, and in children, in all weight shapes. There are people who end up do losing weight and become in worse condition than they started out with. And some people who lose the weight end up becoming in remission. It's different for everyone. The true battle is having our voices heard and not only heard, but fucking understood. It's the one we all struggle with. Finding doctors who don't have a gun complex, terrible bedside manners, and treats you more than just a number is so hard to find. It makes us feel like there is no hope for us and that they already have given up before they have ever seen us. I mean, I get it. There's no actual tumor there, so they can't just go in, remove it, and be done with us. But whatever happened to doctors who actually do their jobs and find solutions? It seems these days that unless there isn't a pill to prescribe, doctors have no clue how to heal the body. It's like they don't even try anymore and maybe even look for alternative ways. Maybe that's because Big Pharma is milking us like cash cows. 
But it absolutely hurts my soul watching my fellow Spoonies talk about how they would rather die than deal with the pain or pay for another surgery. The medical system doesn't help either. They don't make it easy. You have to prove that you're sick or that you're in pain. And when they don't deem you sick or sick enough, that there isn't enough evidence to support this, they tell you how much you can pay or how much they will pay. They deem you fit to work. And unless you're basically dying, you're not worthy to sit home and heal. We feel defeated like no one cares about our well-being, only us. That we aren't worthy enough to be heard and to be seen. We fight to live every single day between our doctors, the systems, and even sometimes with our support system. It's hard for our support system to understand what we're going through. The burden lies upon them at times with everyday tasks. Then they hear the doctors and the system say, well, you're fine. And they look at you like they, everyone is saying you're fine. Why aren't you fine? I watch people in my support group talk about how they feel so alone because no one can see the pain we are in. Our pain is deep, so you can't see a physical scar. But there are so many deep cuts within us. Sometimes it's easier to give in and decide that it's time for us to leave this world than to keep dealing with it. Since people can't see the pain like a visible scar, they don't understand the pain we feel because they've never experienced it. It's hard for people to be sympathetic and to understand. They think we're being dramatic, exaggerating our pain, or trying to work this system and looking for attention. With my journey, I have been so fortunate that I have had a great support system, as well as an incredible team of doctors who really have listened to me. You see, in 2016, I went for a hike that will forever change my life. My husband and I were super active, and we would love to go hiking. We ended up in Dover, New York, and decided to go to Dover Church Stone, where there are waterfalls, caves, an outlook point, where you can see mountaintops and hilltops. It's truly a magical and beautiful place to visit. So if you're ever in Dover, New York, you should go. After a beautiful day of hiking, then grabbing some barbecue at Big Willie's, which by the way, you should go visit. We went home. The next day, I realized I had a bullseye and instantly knew I had gotten bit by a tick. So I kept an eye on it. And once the rash started to spread, I went on my lunch break to urgent care to get some medicine. The doctors told me they had to make sure I wasn't pregnant, so they had to do a pregnancy test. Even though my period ended just days prior. The test came back as a false positive, and they would need to pull some blood to get an accurate test. But that means that I would have to wait in order to get some medication. 
me panicking, I was like, of course, go ahead. Once I left, I called my OB to come in to get checked out. My OB rushed me in, made me take another test, which for them came out negative, and they too pulled blood just in case. A week goes by and it turns out I am not pregnant and was prescribed doxycycline. But by this time, I was already in a lot of pain. I had picked up the order, took the medication, and what seemed to be moments later, I was in even more pain. I was dizzy. I was seeing double. I ended up having blurred vision. And it felt like my brain was a balloon on a helium tank ready to pop. I was still driving to work, which I don't understand how I was even able to do this or why I thought I should have. But I would hold one hand over my eye, drive, and when that would get blurry, I would switch off. At work, I was holding on to the wall because it was so bright and I was so dizzy. I went to the ER three different times and was told it's just a migraine. Which, by the way, that ER doctor, <laughs> every time I saw him was on his phone. It was constantly ringing. There was, he, it was like he wasn't even paying attention to what I had to say. He heard that there was history of migraines and ran with that. Meaning, like, my mom had a history of migraines and ran with that for me. I finally got into my general doctor and said, please, for the love of God, listen to me. I never come in here unless I'm absolutely sick. I feel like I have limes in my eyes or something. And I am so grateful that Dr. Talway listened to me. He checked my eyes and gave me a number and told me not to take no for an answer. I needed to get in as soon as possible. That he too would call to make sure I get seen. So that's exactly what I did. And was grateful to get in right away where I met Dr. Dakash. He is a retinal specialist. And this man, along with Dr. Tawe, saved my fucking life. He asked me, <laughs> why was I in? And as I told him, I think I have lime in my eyes. His bedside manner was like, lady, you're crazy. There's no such thing as lime in your eyes. But he did test after test and pulled my husband and I into the office. This was the scary part of my story. He tells us, he called the ER and told them to hold a room for me. That since we were right around the corner from the hospital, it was unnecessary for really to for him to call an ambulance and for us to really pay since we're around the corner. But if we did not go into the ER within 30 minutes, he would have to call the police. It was a life and death situation. My husband and I, terrified, said, we'll go, we'll go, and we went straight there. As soon as we walked in, we were greeted and rushed in and taken right away. 
After that, I was ambushed by doctors and nurses. I was confused and scared. I was hooked up to wires, poked and prodded with needles, and people flashing lights in my eyes saying, look left, look right, look up, look down, squeeze my hand, squeeze my hand. It was pretty scary. Which, by the way, the light in my eyes fucking hurt. (laughs) This is where my story really begins. Test after test, poke after poke, lumbar punctures, MRIs, medication that knocked me clear off my ass. I remember looking up at one time when they were putting me in the ER or the MRI and they had the mat, the head screen on and I just thought I was Darth Vader for a moment. <laughs> but they finally told me that they thought I had some kind of meningitis and they had to figure out why or what it was. You see, they found blood in my spinal fluid. Once they ruled this out, they learned I had pseudotumor cerebri and papilledema. That since I was pretty much allergic to penicillin, that could be why I had this reaction with doxycycline. But they're very unsure. That with the papilledema, that's what caused me to have double vision and blurred vision and eventually pretty much go blind. They also told me, since I had a severe case of Lyme, I'm going to need a pick line in my arm in order to receive medicine when I get home. So here I was, told this news. My world flipped the fuck upside down. Doctors are rushing to tell me what the prognosis was because it was Friday and they needed to get out of the hospital One had to go take his daughter to college. My life is completely upside down right now. And life was still moving. I just wanted to go home. They were rushing to tell me all this because they have things to do. And all I wanted to do was just go home. I remember being angry at one point. Like, what the fuck is that? That wasn't an explanation. No real understanding. This is what it was and peace, I'm out. See ya? I was scared. I didn't understand. Why was it life or death? Why the rushing and the poking and the prodding and the round-o'clock doctors, the medical students that were using me as an example of what pseudotumor was. The lights being shined in my eyes. What did it all mean? I didn't understand. That wasn't a real explanation. Nothing deep. All I was told was a pick line for medicine for Lyme. Lose some weight. I'll be fine with a follow-up later. The follow-up comes, and I watch the doctor Google my fucking disease. I realized this was a big-ass red flag. He then told me, at 180 pounds, I was obese, and once I lose weight, I would be fine, and sent me on my way. 
That's when I knew I needed to take my health into my own hands. Out of all the doctors, only two listened to me. Only two that didn't make me feel like I was a bother or a burden. I threw myself into Facebook groups. I took my medical records and read them. And when I didn't understand a word, I Googled it. My work computer had tab after tab after tab open. I drove myself absolutely insane and became obsessed with trying to understand what was wrong with me. I consumed myself and used support groups to my advantage. I asked so many questions in those support groups and searched for answers within the group. I befriended many people and listened to their stories about their journey with this illness. I noticed that when I ate certain foods, I'd be on my deathbed. I was in so much pain and would go blind. Same when I worked out. So much for losing weight. So I kept food diaries and wrote down what I did throughout the day. I wrote every single food I put in my mouth and how much. I counted calories. I googled the shit out of nutrition for each food that I was eating. During this time, I lost a lot of friends just because doctors didn't know really how to handle my condition. And I was sick all the time and canceling plans. So it took a toll on them. Plus, if doctors really didn't know how to describe the illness to me and how it works, how can I describe it to friends so they understand? It sounds insane. It sounds made up. It sounds fake. Like I'm making it all up just to cancel plans. I get it. Because it's hard for me to understand and accept that this was my life now. How could they? Luckily, though, I had some really great friends who stuck around and understood. I also had a great support system with my husband, as well as my amazing job who went on this ride with me. My job got to see firsthand how much work ethic I had while also going through the downward spiral of my illness. And for that, I realized I couldn't be the worker they needed me to be that I wanted to be for them because they became like family and was there for me. I had to leave in order to figure out what was wrong and to heal. For all they did for me, I was forever grateful. I personally want to say thank you to Echo Bay Marina for being a positive, supportive part of my journey. I'm grateful for you all. You guys gave me a lot of laughs, amazing memories, and a boatload of money. Truly, I am forever thankful that you took a chance on me. Since leaving, my husband and I got an opportunity to move closer to my family and live a life where I could really take time and heal my body. That story can be for another day. But as time went on, I got pregnant with my daughter, and that's where I got a team of doctors who knew my condition and was actually specialized in it. I learned so much. I'm forever grateful to those doctors who are actually now retired. During the course of these past seven years, I've learned 
so much. Thanks to my mother-in-law who introduced me to herbal remedies, I realized how much we rely on Big Pharma and these synthetic medications. I believe there is a time and a place for everything, and there is a need for both. And that synthetic medicine, along with herbal remedies, can be done and work together. I've learned through the IIH.org.uk website about the foods I should avoid and why. That there is a thing called secondary IIH, where it's talked about how vitamin A, which is a fat-soluble, can trigger some to have an overdose reaction. They explain it in much more detail about a whale and blubber and a story of way back when, when people used to eat the whales. Um, but I haven't been onto the website in a while, so I'm not sure if that story is up there still. But it is a great website, so you definitely should check it out. It has lots of articles and research and, I want to say, videos. Between using herbal remedies, watching what I eat, how much of certain foods and certain vitamins I intake, how much salt, as well as stress and exercise and adult activities, I've been able to become and stay in remission. Now, every once in a while, if I don't watch all those things, I can take myself out of remission for a few days. So when doing shadow work, I really need to watch how much stress I'm putting on my body. As a mom, I have to watch myself and make sure I take breaks and rest my mind and my body. And as a wife, I have to make sure I'm ready and healthy to go when it's go time. (laughs) With this illness, I'm learning all about me. Me time, rest time, self-care, things I never learned, things I never did before for myself. Sometimes I often think maybe that's why this illness came into my life. To learn to say no to learn to rest, and to get out of that masculine hustle energy that I was in. Maybe this was the push to push me into my feminine energy. Honestly, (laughs) who knows? Maybe we'll never know, and that's okay. But what do you think? What has been your experience with the healthcare system? If you have IIH or pseudotumor cerebri or Calvary, Calfari malfunction. I think that's how you say it. That's the sister illness. Please let me know your experience. And as always, let me know your thoughts. <laughs>